Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we are going to talk about distraction versus opportunity. How do you tell the difference between the two? I feel like we should have done this for 2020. Yeah, no kidding. Speaking of 2020, we've got a teeny bit of housekeeping. Um, this, this is, I thought this was going to be our first show of the year, and I thought our last one that we released was going to be the last one of, of 2020. So apologies to folks who <laughs> got halfway through the episode, the, the previous episode to this one, and then it got yanked out from under them and, and came out two weeks later. So apologies there. But it did explain why we had 161 episodes at the end of the year when we usually do 50 every year. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's what you get when you try and change my weekly routine. It just doesn't happen. Well, we just won't do that again, Jonathan. <laughs> Um, cool. So this topic is a great one. I think it's sort of an evergreen thing. People, uh, that people see lots of opportunities, you know, you're running a, a solo business and maybe you get a lead or an invitation or some sort of request. Um, maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it is potentially lucrative or is going to put you in front of lots of people or whatever. There's, there's sort of this, uh, obvious upside to the income and the exposure or whatever it might be. Um, but is it the right way to spend your time? Cause if you spend your time on that thing, you can't spend your time on other things. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, uh, opportunity cost, right? Like, uh, if you're, if you're engaged with this client, you can't be doing content marketing. If you're flying to speak at a conference or you're, you know, doing a virtual summit, then you can't be redoing your email sequences. So, so there's always more stuff that you could do as a soloist or a small firm. So how do you decide which things to do? Yeah, and I feel like, especially if you come from a larger company or firm, you know, we're used to looking at things and spending time, a lot of time sometimes, investigating new opportunities. And you can't do that as a soloist. I mean, you can do it a little bit here and there, but you've got to really make your time pay because there's no backup. There's no paycheck coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to me, uh, it's simple, but not easy. So this is one of those things where, yeah. where conceptually, the it, it's not complicated. Uh, you need to have an objective and a strategy. And then when these things present themselves to you, you know immediately, usually, not always, but you'll know pretty quickly whether or not something's a distraction or an opportunity. Because if you don't have an objective, then there's no there's nothing to be distracted from. You know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. it can't be pulling you in another direction because you're not on a direct, you can't pull you off course because you're not on a course. So th th this is what I see with a lot of folks who are, um, it's usually people who are newer to business. They haven't, they've been freelancing or consulting or coaching for a relatively short amount of time. And they're in that phase where they're not getting tons of leads. They're not getting tons of opportunities or requests or whatever. And they, you know, have to take as much stuff as they can in order to kind of make hay while the sun shines. It's like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I've got a whole bunch of leads. I'm going to take them all. Yeah. And I know I lots of people, I know lots of people mm -hmm. work with lots of people. And I know lots of other people who, if a, if a client comes along, it doesn't matter if there's flaming red flags shooting off the back <laughs> of them, they'll try and close the deal. Yeah. You know, so it's like, well, because I don't know, this could be my last lead. I haven't gotten a lead in two months. And you mm -hmm. know, I'm going to throw all of my standards out the window. Classic one being 
uh, I haven't closed a deal in a while. I got a lead, but they only want to do hourly billing. So I'm just going to do hourly billing, but I won't do hourly billing anymore after this one, but <laughs> this will just be the last one. I'm going to cave now. Right. They cave. Um, yeah. So the, the issue is, <clears throat> the issue is you don't know if you're getting pulled off course, if you're not on a course. So everything looks like an opportunity and then you throw away or well, not throw away. I mean, it's not, you know, it could be good money. It could be good exposure or whatever, but it's not in service of any progress or direction. So what's more common is that people just kind of go in a circle or they go one inch in every direction for an entire year. And then they get to the end of the year and they're like, kind of where I started, you know, I didn't, I didn't get anywhere. And if you're not getting anywhere, it's probably because you don't have a direction and therefore everything looks like an opportunity. So you just fill your plate as much as you can and then your plate's full, you know, and it's just, but it's not helping you. Well, I think what happens is, um, as I was listening to you, I was thinking it's, it's, we can substitute their priorities. Like somebody asks you to do something, you substitute their priorities for yours. Yes, great point. Mm -hmm. That's really what what happens. And then you get at the end of the year and you're like, huh, okay, so I have more money in my pocket or maybe they don't if it's not a client, if it's something else. Um, But I don't feel like I really got anywhere because you haven't had your priorities front and center. Mm -hmm. Right, so you're allowing other people to set your priorities. And since if you have multiple people, then you're getting pulled in all these different directions. Mm-hmm. So step one is like strategy is, is it's a lot of things defined a million ways. I have an entire blog post where I just define like my canonical definition for myself of strategy, what it is. But at, at the end of the day, it really is the litmus test that would separate these two things. So like for me, if somebody, uh, what's a classic example? Classic example, I, I just had a student where, you know, we've got very specific positioning we're working on. Uh, he's doing all of these active, tons of activities to like reach the, you know, kind of create this, carve out this position for himself and uh, attract leads and, and that all that sort of thing, you know, grow the business more profitable and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, completely different, you know, it's a software thing, but a completely different kind of software project falls into his lap. And it it's like, <laughs> and he's looking at it and he's like, this could be a really big deal, you know, like money wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's also different than the stuff he's been doing. And a lot of software developers like me included, they get excited about a new problem because <laughs> they don't, <laughs> don't we not, all, they're not sick of it yet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yep. it's like it's exciting because it's a new kind of problem, lots of new learning curve. It's that sugar high of the early learning curve and it's very attractive. And if it wasn't for me, he probably would have pursued it. He might be pursuing it as far as I don't I I was like that's this is a clear distraction. And the way I know it's a distraction is because we're working on we're going down this this uh path. You know, it's like we're trying to drive somewhere. And he's taking a side trip mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, but you know, just if, if you're going to do that, do it, but recognize that that is a side trip. And the, the, really, yes. the scary thing about the side trips is that sometimes you never come back, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, I suppose, but you might, it can be good, but it's serendipitous it, versus yeah, it's luck. likely. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if you want to kind of have to the extent that you can have control over your destiny, it's kind of like, look, you know, at, 
you know, just in general, not talking about this guy, if he's listening, but the, you know, in general, if you set a goal for yourself and you just get sidetracked and be like, Ooh, this is, you know, if you switch from, from, um, sort of, uh, travel mode to exploration mode, that's a major decision. And in fact, that, that could be a strategy. I don't know what I'm going to do in 2021. I'm not happy where I am. I'm going to explore a bunch of different things and it's, it's exploratory and it would be nothing but side trips and just, but that's a strategy, but that's the strategy, right? That's a strategy, right? Because the goal is to spend the year finding your passion or something like that. So you still have a goal. And, uh, and you would, it would be very exploratory and you could be very creative and probably fun. Maybe be a little tight money wise, who knows? Um, but you still have a goal and doing something like taking on a, a full-time job would be a distraction. Like maybe Google comes along and wants to offer you $500,000 a year for the, you know, Android creative director of Android. And it'd be like an amazing job. And like, yeah, but this year is supposed to be about you exploring. And if you take a 40 to 60 hour a week job, (laughs) <laughs> that's really not, it's probably, you know, you're, you're making a, a strategic change. Yeah. Ain't no exploring going to happen on that one. No, it's just, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe that's a fun job, but anyway, the point is like, you know, I guess it's good that to do this kind of at the beginning of the year, I suppose, because if people, you know, if you look ahead and say like, well, what, what is my goal for 2021 and what will be mm-hmm. my strategy to get there? Cause there are probably a, you know, near infinite number of ways to get to that, that outcome. And then once you've done that, then when things come along, you've got a litmus test for whether or not you, it seems like a good idea to do the thing or, you know, it's a, it's a potential opportunity and, and how big it is, or it's a potential distraction and how bad it might be. Yeah. It's, it's not exactly like you're putting on blinders because you do want to let some things in, but it's this, your strategy, your goals are the focus and then you can evaluate new things that come in and you might take a flyer on something that you're not sure is going to get you to the goal, but you think there's a high probability it will. Mm-hmm. Or that it's not so, you know, like we were talking before the show, sometimes people come along and they're they're just super nice and you can do them a favor or whatever. I'm not saying, yeah, like it's not saying like just be like mercenary focused on the on the goal uh, and that you can't do anything else and like this rigid kind of approach, but you can, ev- I like your work. You can evaluate if it's, you know, what's the, what are the pros and cons? So if this, if someone comes along and invites me to guest on their podcast, I'm almost definitely going to say yes, because mm-hmm. the opportunity cost is so low. You know, I just like, I just right. roll over to my desk and, you know, boom, let's do it. Right. You know, I know what I'm yeah, going to talk about. That's not a distraction. No, nah, it's there's just it's like uh, an hour out of my day, uh, out of the year. You know, like maybe I do ten of those a year. It's like n- just not. It's not. Plus, it's on strategy for me. But even if it wasn't, you know, if it was purely a fate. Look, for example, at the beginning of the last year, a lot of people were asking me about homeschooling and how do we do that, and you know, and I did like two or three webinars about it. So big deal. Three out. You know, distraction. Absolutely, but. You know, it was nice, had nothing to do with work, absolutely no angle. There's, it was just like a thing that people were asking. I had some answers. So I, I was all set up with the equipment to do a webinar. So I did it. Um, you know, so we're not, I, I don't think either one of us is saying like, don't do fun stuff. Yeah. Don't do random stuff. Don't do favors for people unless they, they serve your goal. Definitely not saying that, but it, 
uh, having a, a strategy allows you to evaluate the pros and cons of, of whatever you'd call this potential opportunity that's it's coming your way. Well, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about, um, I had a client who has a successful business and had spent maybe three or four years building his authority in the marketplace. And so he had someone that I would loosely call a competitor. I mean, they do the same thing. They theoretically have the same kind of audience. And um, she had put together this whole um, email process and blog. and, And she approached him and said, I'd really like you to write for me like twice a month. And so he, you know, we talked about it and I said, well, I think this is a bad idea. Um, Her audience is very small. Um, You kind of do the same thing. Um, And you can't, the the deal was he couldn't use those pieces anywhere else. I'm like, and I'll give you $75 each. (laughs) Well, and I don't think she, I can't remember now. I don't think she offered to pay him. Because the idea was, well, they would have exposure to each other's communities. So, like, in theory, you know, if it didn't have all of these these things in it, maybe. But his brand was so far ahead of hers. And I said, I can see what she's getting out of this, but what are you getting? And this is a distraction. And um, and he had a VA who said exactly the same thing that I did, but he did it anyway. And so 13 months later, in the, somewhere in the middle, she'd started a podcast. 13 months later, she stopped the blog, she stopped the writing, and she stopped the podcast. Mm-hmm. So he had all this invested and never went anywhere. And it's like, that's the thing where you just, those kinds of things you have to say no to. Well, and that's exactly... It. When you get an invitation, it's flattering uh, f- for a variety of reasons. It could be just altruistic. It could be ego, whatever you want. Like a lot of people, they want to say yes. Like the natural, you know, if you, especially if you go through a phrase where, where no one's sending you requests, you know, like when, when you start anything like, you know, a speaking career or like just, just, you know, this authority stuff, like, I didn't used to get invited to go on people's podcasts like randomly, mm-hmm. you know, but now it happens regularly or, or people are asking to come on our show, my, you know, this show or other shows that happens all the time. And part of it's just podcasting is getting bigger, but the, but it's nice. You know, you feel like, Oh, something's working. Um, it's, it's flattering, especially when they're, when they're explicitly flattering, you know, it's like, wow, that's really nice. It feels good to hear people, you know, say that, that, this helped or you want to share they want to share our message or something like that uh but if it's off but if it's too much of a distraction and it's going to cut you know like your example is a perfect one because it's it's not a ton of work but for a long time yeah like when was it going to stop and 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 we were even monitoring it say okay so is it getting traction in social media is he getting any calls from this is he getting emails from it are they joining his list and Mm -hmm. it was nothing yeah so i kind of put that in the category i think of it as sweet talking (laughs) so it's like when you start to you sit there and you say all right is this a distraction or an opportunity i think if you feel like somebody is sweet talking you and don't get me wrong sweet talking is lovely It's great to hear that they love your stuff and they've read everything you've ever written. That's all great. But then look to 
their materials. Look at their website, look at their social media handles, kind of what they say, and get a sense of whether they're me-focused or other-focused. Because mm. that, to me, that's the difference. Is like, I can feel generous all day, but if I feel like somebody is sweet-talking me and they're only interested in their outcome... I'm not really interested. I want to find something that's going to be collaborative, that's going to be good for both of us. And I don't mind doing a favor, but I want to do a favor for somebody that's going to do a favor for somebody else. Oh, I'm so glad you ended the sentence like that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, dear listener, if you thought she was Rochelle was going to say, I want to do a favor for you know someone who's going to do a favor for me, that's absolute. That's exactly not it, or it's mm-hmm. not necessarily it. I mean, I mean. You and I, Rochelle, I think are completely wired that way, where yeah. that's a hundred percent it. You want the kind of pay it forward kind of feel. Yes, I have. Yeah. A, I know other people, and that's not everybody's jam, though. Like I know other people who are more transactional, and they want to do like affiliate programs, and everybody's getting paid in both directions, and I, it's why I don't do affiliate programs. Like people, I get approached, yeah. you know, oh, do you have affiliate links? I want to, you know, interview on in the show, and then you know, get or like, I don't know if people know how that works, but. Um, yeah, I know. but it's, it's just, it just, I'm not, it's a lot of trouble. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't feel right somehow. It feels a little, it can feel sleazy. It doesn't have to, but it yeah, can feel I, a little sleazy. I have nothing, right. I have nothing against people who do that. It's just not for me. And I, I've, you know, I've had good, fr- you know, business friends, good friends who have sent me a lot of business. And I'm like, look, let me just, I'll give you a coupon code so I can kind of, I just feel bad. I'm getting all this traffic from like your, your, your user group or whatever. But, oh, it's it's a whole thing. Like, if, it, now all of a sudden you're in the accounting business for somebody else. And mm-hmm. I know there's software that helps you with it, whatever. But uh, um, I was that was enough experience with it for me to be like, wow, this is a ton of trouble. And um, and it's not my jam. It's like, if, if I have to pay you to share my stuff, my stuff's not good enough. That, that's That's the bottom line is how I feel about it. Uh, I mean, I've had people with millions of followers be like, hey, do you have affiliate links? We'd like to share your stuff. And I'm sure I would have got tons of sales out of it. But I don't. I don't have affiliate links. So mm-hmm. it's just, to me, it's too much of a distraction. I'd rather not have the sales than have all of the, uh, like, the sales aren't worth it to me because now I've got this other chore to do. Well, it's it's a business model. And, you know, and if you're going to manage that revenue stream, you've got to set up the infrastructure to do it that way. You know, for me, this came out of big firm consulting. For me, we had this ironclad rule about not accepting any kind of referral fees ever, 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 because it compromised our integrity, mm-hmm. right? So if we're taking money from, say, an insurance company, and then we're trying to recommend to a large corporation which insurance company they do business with, yeah. I mean, it gives the appearance of impropriety. So for me, like I've had people say, well, I'll pay you X, you know, to to have you include this. I'm like, no, it, I'll put it on there, but I can't take money for it. And I know there's people who will disagree with me totally, and I totally get that. But for me, I just saw it right from the very beginning of my career, how it could um, make people do things differently. Like when I worked against people who were on commission, Mm -hmm. it just, it's a different level of trust. And I just, I just didn't want to do it. And I'm sure I've given up plenty of money over the years for that, but I'm, I'm happy that I did that. It feels right to, to my kind of point of view about this. Right. Yeah. And this is, it's not, 
like you said, it's not good or bad. Every, you know, it's not your cup of tea, but it's a great example. I think the affiliate thing or kickbacks or referral fees or anything like that, it's an example of what would be for us, that would be a distraction, even though it could mean lots of money, which without a, without a, this is actually almost beyond strategy up to like values, but, um, or like lifestyle. But if you didn't have, if you don't have like, um, I just kind of want to broadly lump it into standards or like, like policies or personal policies or kind of like rules, rules of the road, let's say, then you you see like tons of dollar signs and you're like, great, that's an opportunity. But if you, you know, but maybe it isn't, maybe it's not. Yeah, I, I, just, I go back to, I think of that as a, as a business model decision. And if you're going to do it, then you do it with lots of different things and you operate differently. And there's there's an absolute way to do that and make it work and still be, uh, well, sorry, still be in the authority space. You can be an authority. It's just how you monetize that authority. You're right. It's just a different business model. Yeah. So what are, what are some classics? What are some other classics where... Uh, where maybe maybe with people you're working with or younger you, where stuff would start to come and you'd just be like, oh, you know, all of these are opportunities, and uh, <laughs> you end up you end up turning into curmudgeonly old us because <laughs> it's hard to say no to stuff. But if you don't, then, then you have. If you're not saying no, then you've got no strategy. I mean. Well, I I had this thing happen in, I think it was the second year of my business, the one where I had employees and we were doing consulting. And so our model was that we would use, quote unquote, flexibly scheduled people. And what that meant is nobody was full time. And the challenge of that, because they also had to have a master's degree, they had to have some heavy duty experience in big consulting firms. The challenge was finding enough people at that point, And it, yeah, there were always leapfrogging that was happening. But at that point, our challenge was getting people getting the right people to do the work, not getting the work. So in the course of interviewing, I spent maybe a third of my time interviewing people. I kept meeting, these were mostly women, I kept meeting these women who were really good. They didn't meet our standard for that, Mm -hmm. but they were really good. And most of them came out of corporate. They didn't have consulting experience, but they they were instinctively consultants. And I had like maybe, I don't know, a dozen of those people that I'd met and kind of was holding on to. And at the same time, we messed up a little bit in our marketing at the very beginning. And people saw us as, oh, you're a staffing company, mm. you're the bigger market. So I kept having people, and Kraft was one of them. Kraft kept calling us <laughs> saying, we just want your people. We want some people. We want them in uh, benefits. We want them in compensation. We want them for uh, somebody who's on maternity leave. We need somebody for six weeks, for eight weeks. So it was really like a job job. It was like a temp agency. Right. And I kept saying, no, no, no. Well, I, after a while, I had this you know, cadre of people. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. We could make money doing this. So um, the person at Kraft was someone I knew well. And I said, okay. I said, I want to be clear. We haven't done this before. Let's try it. And so I pulled the most promising of our people. And after she first started, we had, I think we had maybe three people, three or four people that I placed. And you have to understand, I had no experience placing people like that. My experience was Mm -hmm. with consulting projects. And I didn't realize something very important, which I should have realized. Well, First of all, staffing pays less than consulting. So it's like cost plus, 
right? Yep. So you add something on top. And it was way, 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 way below our usual profit margin. But guess what? We still had to put the cash out to pay the people until we got paid. So I was using our cash to get a fraction of the return that I would get on the other stuff. And yeah. I didn't like doing the staffing. I mean, I, I hated it. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> so we we did it for three months and we tailed off. I think we finally finished at the six month and never again right. <laughs> do staffing. Right. But it, it's, if I had thought through the whole thing, and I mean, I, you know, maybe I would have figured that out. I don't know. But somehow I missed that that piece about, oh, yeah, I'm not going to make as much money on this, but I still have to have the cash, which means I don't have the cash to invest in something that would earn me a lot more money. Yeah, like Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I love that story. That's a great example. Like you kind of and if you had... Um, you know, it was an experiment or whatever, and you went into it with eyes open that, you know, and transparency with the client, like, well, look, let's try it. Let's just see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could imagine, you know, if that came along today, even without the experience of having tried that, like if someone came to me and was like, oh, you know, we know, you know, a million software developers, maybe you could get us like a team of 10 and we'll pay you, blah, you know, something. Mm -hmm. yep. like, yeah, I could do that. But it's kind of like saying to, a, you know, a brain surgeon, like, you know, I know you're like this brain surgeon, but we've got an ear piercing pagoda at the mall and you're qualified <laughs> to do that. So why don't you come down to the mall on Sundays and pierce ears for four hours every weekend? And it's like, well, yeah, I could do that, but it's a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, you just have to decide what you're going to get out of this distraction versus opportunity. In in my example, in theory, I could have created a whole new business model because I didn't have trouble getting people for those roles. Right. I, I could probably, if I kept interviewing, I could probably find a hundred people. Mm -hmm. And I had organizations who wanted them. So I could have, you know, I could have scaled up. Maybe I could have sold it for a gazillion dollars. Right. I mean I did sell it later for a nice chunk of change. <laughs> but I might have been able to do it faster in a different way, scaled across the US versus primarily in the Midwest. I mean, there's all kinds of things, but it was, you know, clearly it was not for me. So it was definitely a distraction. Big learning experience. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you can't do them all, right? So if everything, exactly. if, if you had, if people had unlimited time or, you know, unlimited money, but mostly unlimited time, then you wouldn't, none of this would matter. Because you could just sort of, you know, infinite monkeys your way to, you know, William Shakespeare. But everybody's got limited time. So with that constraining factor, you've got to decide how to spend it. And and spending it in the wrong way is, just, I mean, it's just wasteful, right? So mm -hmm. and how do you know if you're spending your time in the right way or the wrong way? Is you have a goal. You decide how you're going to get there. And if you change how you're going to get there, then you're making a strategic change. And that should be a big deal. Like you should, you know, in your example with the staffing, uh, I think it's, I, th I think it's fine to do an, ex I could imagine you being like, no, this is, this is just not. Well, we kept saying no. Yeah. And then after a while I had this kind of moment where I went, oh, eh, I have all it. these assets and I have these people who need them. Right. Yeah. So you started piercing ears on the weekend and you were like, uh. <laughs> I think I got heady with my with running my first business. I think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, you know, what what's the what's the 
the takeaway. It's like, man, think about what you're trying to accomplish. And I do, I see, how do you do this? Like when it, when, not that I don't really want to go into a whole goal setting thing, but I'm imagining that you've got sort of near-term goals, mid-term goals, long-term goals. Uh, Maybe they're like super explicit and written out, or maybe they're just a little bit, uh, maybe you kind of know what they are gut instinct wise, but how do you, what do you, how do you think about that? In terms of when opportunities or distractions present themselves? Yeah. Like what, what, um, what kind of a, uh, how do I, I'm trying to, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I'll, I'll use myself. So like for, well, it was just 2020 just ended at the end of the year. I sort of like do a retrospective, um, and which may be published by the time you listen to this, but, uh, I really only care about two metrics in my whole business. And I just, and you know, when you make a strategic choice, it's a guess, like it's not guaranteed. It wouldn't be a strategic decision if it was guaranteed. It's like you, you've got a goal and you make, you pick a strategy and just like hope it works. And there's, so there's a leap of faith every single time there's a leap of faith. If it can't fail, it's not a strategy. So for me, the uh the number one metric that i look at is mailing list so there's a couple there's a couple of metric in metrics inside of mailing list like you know definitely sub- subscriber count but also open rate and to the extent that you can trust it so there's a couple of little numbers in there that i care about but it's mainly uh total subscribers and like you know as long as i'm staying around a 30 percent open rate i'm happy so and and then my tr- my um the leap of faith is if I can keep growing that without decreasing the quality or having the open rate go down or the unsubscribes go way up, if I can keep growing that, everything's going to be fine. Like the, the revenue is the other number I look at. And that's cause, cause even, even mailing list subscriber, that's a vanity metric in a sense, because I still have to put Cheerios in the bowl. Um, but I see the revenue as a side effect of that. The mailing list is working and the other, you know, R and D I'm doing with sort of products and productized services that that's all providing value to the marketplace because it's like, oh, okay, revenue is going up. So I, I must be doing something right. So th- those are the only two numbers I look at. There's a billion, tr- I don't even have analytics on my website. I don't care how many people are going to my website. I don't really, I mean, I know you look at the the statistics for the podcast. I never do. I don't care. It's <laughs> I like, do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, there's good reasons to, but there's just not, that's just not what I look at. My dashboard has two dials on it, mailing list and revenue. Mm-hmm. It's so like for at the end of the year, um, if those things aren't <laughs> aren't up from the previous year, uh, then I would rethink strategically, probably on an annual basis. Maybe, yeah, like th- for those things, it's like an annual basis where I would kind of revisit if if something didn't go, uh, if the needle wasn't going the way I wanted it, then I would rethink things and maybe have a different strategy. And the strategy, of course, is to just share as much as humanly possible through podcasts and the mailing list and YouTube and all of this other stuff. Like that's the strategy is share as much free, useful content as humanly possible to get the mailing list numbers up. And as a side effect, revenue will go up. That's, that's yeah. it. And do you, do you look at revenue when you say revenue, you look at it by thing, you look at it by the programs of coaching. Yeah. Yep. And you look at, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I broke, I broke it down uh, to say like, like which so yeah because i'm planning for this year like what's what stuff am i gonna run again yeah you know like which things are a distraction seem like a good idea at the time but actually aren't helping that many people 
and therefore aren't throwing off that much revenue. Yes. And it's and when you think of it like that, it's and I look at like all of the things I could rerun in 2021. There were like a couple that was just like I'm not doing that again. It's like and uh, for each one of the things, I just sort of have a you know a, a kind of like a five star scale of like is this easy or hard for me to do? Is it draining or not? That's, you know that's right. When I was listening to you, I felt like what was missing, and you kind of alluded to it, is the happiness factor. Yeah. Like how much do you enjoy doing it? Because that for me, that's that's on a par with revenue and email growth. Yeah, and that's I I get I guess you're right. I guess I do track. It's not fair to say I track it, but when I decide what I'm gonna do, I'm like, how much do I want to do that thing? And I, if, yeah. if 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 it was something, you know, like um, I don't know if this is really, you know, well, I guess this is kind of on topic for the episode. So, like for example, the pricing seminar, it's it's. Uh, uh, it's uh, much of it's automated, but I do have to show up there for like 12 weeks. So it's a, mm. a, a, lo- a little bit of work for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you got something like uh, my ditching hourly live workshop, which was in person. I did it in person a few times. And then I switched it to remote when COVID happened. That's like two intense days. Right. And when you, when I look at the, when I look at the, when I just ask myself which one's more work, uh, they're kind of even, but it's just different kinds of work. It's like spread out or yeah. concentrated work. Mm-hmm. But then if I look at how many people is it helping, like the pricing seminar is like far and away, mm. way better. More way impact. Better, way more impact. Um, so anyway, so yes, I do. I guess the the cost to me that to me that's. Well, it's funny that you bring it up, but to me that that is part of um, it's actually part of the revenue metric because it's because it's my cost to me that to me the effort is my part of my cost. So when okay. I say revenue, when I say revenue, I should really say profit. It's not really revenue; it's profit. Okay. So to and to me that like level of effort comes out of my revenue, and therefore it's not dollars, but uh, to me it's there's no difference. Anyway, we're going way down, way, way too yeah, far down the rabbit but hole. But 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 maybe you know to bring this back to distraction versus opportunity. Maybe one of the takeaways from that is it. Yeah, we already know that one takeaway is is it on strategy for you, or can you see how it can get you to strategy? But it's also does it serve you in terms of how you like to work and how you work best? You know, your genius zone. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's asking you to guest on a podcast, that's a no brainer for you. Right. No brainer for me too, for that matter. It's mm. it's just fine. It's great. Um, but if somebody asks you to, um, I don't know, create a, a like the example I used before, create a special piece twice a month for a <laughs> year, you'd have to really stop yeah. and think about that. Right. Before you said yes. Right. I agree. Yeah, that's a part time job. Yeah. So. The medium term, what I was trying to get, I went too far down the rabbit hole there, but the, the medium term is for me is like a year. And then there's shorter term objectives, which will have their own strategy, which needs to align with the bigger strategy, but also has its own strategy for like um, getting a big guest on the podcast or mm-hmm. uh, some, something like that. Starting, you know, getting yeah. more, getting, getting more, um, repurposing the content from the YouTube channel in a way that cause it to grow on its own instead of having to, you know, push a rock up a hill. So there's, you can have a, you can have different size objectives, but my sort of annual one, it's basically like revenue, money, profits, whatever you want to call it. 
and uh, and mailing list numbers. So those mm-hmm. are the two things for the annual. But big picture, if you go longer term, the goal is the mission: rid the world of hourly billing. That has like um, I'm picturing like uh, uh, like if you look at a calendar, there's like overlap. Now nah, this is too visual for a podcast, but <laughs> but. <laughs> They, they can align and they can have inflection points. So yes, not to get too trippy, but there's short-term objectives and therefore strategy and tactics. There's medium-term, which for me is about a year, objective strategy and tactics. And then there's long-term, like 10-year or longer, which in my case is rid the world of hourly billing. And there will, there will be things that I need to do now that don't serve my local objectives. Yes. That's how I think yes. of it. But they do serve yeah. the bigger one. Yes, but they're still all in alignment. They're not. They're not pulling in opposite directions. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, those are two things that can be sometimes get intertwined. Usually, depending on the age of the person, um, which is impact. Right? Mm-hmm. How many people am I impacting, or how deeply am I impacting them? It may not be about hitting a million people, but it might be, you know, hitting a thousand really, really deeply. Mm-hmm. And yeah. both of those are valuable, just depends on what you want. And then entwined with that is legacy. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's also impact. But sometimes people in the later part of their career start to think about, you know, kind of what do I want to leave behind? And so what do I want to spend the next X number of years of my life working towards? What's the, you know, what's the big idea? Where am I going with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do I want to be remembered for? Yeah. So, I mean, those, I, I, I I mean, I think we get there slightly differently, but we look at the same kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's, I've made decisions that are, I'm not sure if they're going to be good financially, but I know they're right for where I want to go. And so I'll spend a certain amount of time investing in an idea before it throws off enough revenue to make it for me to look at it and go, oh yeah, that really made sense. But I will, I will let them go at some point if they don't. You know, if they if they're not impacting people, if they're not yeah, getting exactly. results. Uh, exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. I kill. That's my annual thing. As I look back and and kill the darlings if they need to be. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is. It's hard to kill the darlings, but sometimes <laughs> it's pleasurable. <laughs> yeah. it's like oh, now I don't have to do that anymore, and it didn't really help that many people. So who cares? You know, it's like yeah. a good thing because well, and it's, it's also, become a distraction. Yeah, and it's it's also why we let certain clients go. Too. I mean, if right. you've got a, the kind of business, especially where you're doing execution and you've got a really difficult client and you've tried but have not been able to kind of bring them into the fold, you know, sometimes you say bye-bye. The client mm-hmm. can become a distraction. Right. Yeah. I, a classic one with um, most, I, probably most of my students or at least people in the audience is that, um, you know, they, they're they need to get away like their their goal for the year let's say is to stop trading time for money mm-hmm. and they're like how do i convert all of my clients from hourly to value price or some other model and like you 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 basically can't i mean yeah. it's not impossible but it's probably just easier to get new clients and let the old ones kind of slough off it's it's really hard if you've yeah. got the right relationship i think you can do it over time but it's hard it is not totally impossible but it's i've only seen it work a couple of times out of maybe a couple hundred so yeah the chances are low well it's you know if if we were clients or when we're clients with people who give us services we want what we want 
You know, it's like, we don't really think about their business model. And maybe we think about what's good for them in terms of are they enjoying the experience? Are they properly compensated? But other than that, it's like, you know, Mm. you're serving. Right. Yeah. So if you're just to give folks another example, if your objective is to stop trading time for money and someone comes along and they're like, hey, we've got, you know, well, we'll pay max hourly rate. You just have to be like, it really boils down to saying no, right? So yeah, it does. Yeah. All of this. It's like, you need to know when to say no, and then you need to actually do it. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I was thinking, as I was thinking about um, this podcast, what really struck me is that, um, like, how do you tell the difference, right? When you're in the moment, how do you tell the difference between distraction and opportunity? And one of the things I found happens a lot with a certain type of person, and if you're listening, you'll know if you're this type of person, is does this thing that you're being presented with allow you to procrastinate while you're still feeling good about doing something? Wow, you just broke my brain. What? Yeah. <laughs> Say that again? What? Yeah. Well, so what happens is some people just really feel better when they're busy. Oh. Mm. And so what happens by saying yes to distractions is you feel good. It's like, oh, yeah, because but really what you're doing is procrastinating. You, you are saying yes to something that needs to be a no because you don't want that empty hole in your workday. And this, you know... Some of that happens early on when people first start consulting, but more likely they're chasing the dollars, you know, because you just want to make sure you've got enough work. I'm not really talking about that so much. I'm talking about when people ask you to do something that, you know, maybe peripherally makes sense, but the potential payoff to you is really low and it's not just an act of generosity. And you say yes, because you want to be busy and it, it gives you that little ping. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel yeah. good. Oh, that yeah. feels good. That feels good. It's almost like eating fast food. It feel good in the moment. And then, oh, your stomach doesn't feel so good afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. With developers, a lot of times it's, it's, they will get addicted to the, the, how would you say the sort of sense of mastery or the, the enjoyment of the craft at the expense of the bigger picture. So they'll, it feels sort of similar where it's like, it's not that they're excited that they're busy. It's that they're excited being in there. It's not really their genius zone. It's kind of like that though, where they're just like, oh, this is great. I can get in the zone. I'm like, I'm like working on really hard problems and it's, uh, and it feels good to solve really hard problems, but it, you know, you're just kicking the can down the road though. If you're, if you're, uh, not an employee and you're running your own business and you're, completely sucked into the mastery, the feeling of mastery and solving problems, but you're completely ignoring the all you're procrastinating on making all the hard business decisions about things like, I don't know, like positioning or writing that book or um, whatever, you know, the business stuff, the marketing stuff that you need to do to Mm -hmm. attract more clients. Cause like, like solving a really hard problem for someone is not going to attract more clients. No one's going to know. I don't care how many case studies you do about it. Basically, no one's going to know unless you do marketing stuff. So yeah. anyway, it's, it reminded me of that. Like in my world, that's that's the thing. People want to, they don't want to, they want to be in their comfort zone. That's what it boils down to. And, and getting outside of their comfort zone and doing something like, uh, I don't know, committing to writing a daily email or starting a podcast or um, running a webinar series or starting a meetup or something like that is way outside of their comfort. For someone who codes, you know, that's way mm-hmm. out, it can be way outside their comfort zones. Yeah. So they never do it. And then they're just like stuck in this holding pattern. 
You know, I was thinking when I first moved to LA, you know, I think I've mentioned I joined this networking group and I met a lot of people and there were some people who just felt like all branding people can do all branding work. And I'd gotten this referral to a restaurant and it was a really well-known chef. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, this would be so much fun. But I immediately said, no, I didn't even talk to the client. I'm like, I said, I'm not the right person for this. Would I love to do it? Yeah, it would be so much fun. Be a distraction for me. And it wouldn't be fair to the client. I didn't yeah. have any experience in branding restaurants. You know, yeah. if it was the chef, you know, personal brand, expertise, authority, yes. But this was about a restaurant. It wasn't... I was so wrong for that, mm. but but I was like so tempted because I you know I it was it was right after two thousand eight I wasn't mm. super busy I'm like and it would be really fun but I said no yeah and yeah, that's, that's the you just have to get comfortable with saying no yeah that's the other recurring theme on this episode I'm realizing is uh, opportunity costs like if if people aren't if you don't get opportunity cost it's it's like it's hard to grok any of this you know it's like well i could just do everything it's like no you, you really can't i suppose no. it's a function of being like in my 50s where um, it's like where i've done bashed my head against that wall for 20 years or, or so and it's like oh yeah you can't do every good idea that you have like i have right. a, i have a million air quotes good ideas mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and I, I have a special place for them. It's called my maybe someday list. And yeah. that's how I get them out of my head. I'm like, it's there's not going on my to-do list. It's going in the maybe someday list. And every once in a while, I'll read through that list and have such a good laugh of like stuff that I thought would be, you know, stuff at t 10 or 50. Because I've never deleted any. I don't delete it. Nothing off of it. Oh, I've, that's I've interesting. never done anything on it. And I don't delete anything from it. Mm. I, I probably maybe I, I don't think I've ever done anything I put on that list I can't remember a time that I have and I'll just go back and look it's probably got 400 things on it maybe maybe 800 and I'll just read through it and be like just laugh at myself that's a hoot that's yeah a it's hoot. hilarious it's like a journal only better yeah and it has categories like uh, like cool business name uh, cool idea <laughs> yeah, I probably have 40 books on it 40 books I could write and I look back and I'm like, wow, that would have been a complete waste of time <laughs> or whatever. It, you just but, have these cool ideas all the time. You know, if you're, I'm, and I don't even think I'm that creative. So like creative people are, must have a billion so that you could easily drown in distractions if you don't decide which way you want to point your car. Well, and I also think it was really smart of you to write them down because sometimes that's what we have to do to get it out of our heads. Like it stays in this endless loop. And if you write it down, you're like, okay, I'm not going to forget this, but I'm going to put it here mm -hmm. and I'm going to look at it maybe at the end of the quarter or the end of the month or whenever, or just when I need a good laugh. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, some people might actually pick up stuff in there and run with them. You never know, but yeah. I think it's it's important to get it out of our heads and into something tangible so we can decide if we want to do it or not. Right. Yeah. I, I, the feeling of losing the idea is painful to me. So, yes. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a total totally get that David Allen thing. It's a getting things done thing, um, which I love. I, I just it's been great for me because it gets it off my mind. And uh, in it having so having done it for so long, I recognize how comical 90 percent of the ideas are. It's just comical. Like in the moment, 
you know, it seemed, it seemed fine or, you know, but in the, the harsh, <laughs> the harsh light of day, it's like, well, Oh no. Especially no, no. if you've ever sat around with your, your pals and you talk about an idea, especially if you got like a little wine going mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, this would be a great idea. And you would do this and I would do this and you would do that. And it would be amazing. <laughs> totally. I do that all the time with my friend Kelly. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the fallout from 2020. I mean, I believe more people are going to run their own businesses, more people are going to be, you know, soloists like the people in our audience. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, because I think we're both wired. Like if we talk to somebody like in the neighborhood, like if I talk to somebody, I'm like, okay, here's how you can make a business out of that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they look at me like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> it's like, because you can. And so I think, you know, yeah, you have, you have to kind of have an entrepreneurial mindset to take some of those ideas and run. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I imagine most people listening to this don't have a shortage of ideas, but the question of like, how do you know what to say no to? And then getting yourself to say no to it. Like when you see like that is that's like not a good use of my time. That's that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Like how do you know what is a good use of your time and then how do you get yourself to stick to your own rules? Well, there's there's a little bit um and some people need this more than others. There's there's a little bit about giving yourself permission to be selfish. You know, when I was in a big firm, part of my I viewed my job as keeping in touch with all these different people and doing favors. Like that's really how I thought of my job other than the, you know, the day-to-day stuff that the actual work work that I did. So mm-hmm. I, I did favors. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted people to feel like they could come to me when they needed things and they, you know, they'd remember me fondly. Um but when you're a solo, um it's not that you can't do favors, you absolutely can, but you have to do them judicially judiciously because you only have so much time and you have to learn to be a certain amount of selfish to get that work done and you can you can be a little a little bit selfish and a lot generous at the same time i think that's a thing that's really hard to learn but it's kind of like we have to do both that's a great point yeah there is a that is complicated Mm-hmm. It's like you you can be generous, but only in your own way. <laughs> so it's selfish in a sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's but, that's very interesting. Yeah, because you're protecting. I, I think of it a lot of time as protecting time. Like I, I'm happy to talk to people that are in my audience, and I don't view that as as is a bad thing. I'm not even sure it's generous. Maybe it's selfish, right? Because mm-hmm. I get to know them better. We connect more. But there's you still... You have to allow yourself um, the ability to stick to your path, and and that's the saying no. And if if it means that you have to feel a little selfish, then that's okay. It, it isn't really in the big scheme of things because if you if your business doesn't survive, then you know you can't continue the mission. Well, see, that's the beauty of having a mission, right? Is that yeah. it's not really you being it's selfish in the sense that you picked the mission, I guess, but. If this is exactly how I, I deal with scope creep and client projects where I don't I don't get selfish about it and say, I don't want to do this extra scope work. But what I will say is uh, if if this extra if this request, this change order, whatever it is, this additional request is not going to serve the stated goal of the project, then I will say no, not because I don't uh, think. Yeah, it's, that's you know, not, not selfish. Right. It's not selfish. It is, it results, has the same outcome. I don't have to do the work, but 
that's not the way that I frame it. Well, it's, the intent is different. Yeah. And the intent matters. Right. And if the if if the request, the air quotes out of scope request, would serve the overall goal of the project and just no one thought of it until halfway through, then I'll want to do it because mm-hmm. that means we'll get to the finish line faster than we would have if we had stayed on the hard road, even though it means maybe maybe more work than we expected. It's less work overall. So it's kind of that it reminded when you're you know having the mission allows you to be like, well, I would love to do that. It sounds like fun or it seems like that would be very beneficial to this group of people you're asking me to speak to or whatever, but it doesn't serve the overall mission. And if, if, but so now here's the flip side. If you, um, you can kind of use this to your advantage. If you can align with someone else's mission, or if you can find people who are aligned with yours, then it's, then you can get a lot of, um, energy and, uh, assistance helping each other. You know what I mean? So like where you get a sort of, it's like a force multiplier where, you know, and I can think of, I can think of a bunch of people who are in, in our orbit and guests that we've had on the show who've got a really similar, like they might articulate it differently, but the, the overall mission and values are very, very aligned. Mm-hmm. And therefore it's not like, I mean, you could look at, you know, some of the people we've had on the show as competitors of ours. Why would we have them on the show if they're competitors of ours? Cause it's not like that. Yeah. No, I don't feel that way about any of the guests we had. Right. Yeah. Me neither. Uh, so it's, so anyway, not to, it's fun to talk about. I'm not sure how it ties back to, I mean, it's the, it's the selfish thing. It's like, well, yeah, I did that kind of intentionally because I think sometimes I've heard people, especially, you know, earlier on in their life as an independent going, it feels selfish too. And then, you know, the next thing comes and it's like, it's okay to be a little selfish. Mm-hmm. And that's a real judgy term that I'm not crazy about, but it's sometimes people who are naturally so generous that they lose sight of themselves need yep. to hear, yeah, yep. a little selfish is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that is the word that's triggering me, the selfish word. I'm like, yeah, Rrr. no, it is. It, is, it implies a lot of judgment. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, she's so selfish. I yeah, mean, you know, that right. does not sound good. But um, it's, it's you know, you have to serve the self in order to serve anyone else. Yeah. Put your mask on first. Yeah. But, you know, I know we're, we're probably getting ready to wrap this up, but I was just thinking, you know, we should at least pay homage to this, the ultimate distraction versus opportunity, at least for me, is when you proposed the Business of Authority podcast. <laughs> I said yes, like like it made your head spin. <laughs> I yeah. said yes so fast. And was it on my, my, my strategy for that year? It was not. But I wanted to do one. I just couldn't bring myself to do everything that was required for it because I wasn't sure if mm. it was the right move for me. But the second you said this, I'm like, when is a veteran podcaster going to approach me and say, let's do this with an idea I love, with a name I love? I'm like, no brainer, yes. <laughs> and I cool. can personally say it's been an opportunity, not a distraction. Right, right. That's <laughs> but great. I think, you, you know, sometimes you just know. Mm-hmm. You just know. And it's it's okay to just say yes. Yep. Yeah. And what are we going into our fourth year? Is that right? Well, yeah, we're we're in our fourth year. I yeah. mean, we we didn't start on a calendar year exactly, but yeah, because no, we, yeah, we I, did. We did. We recorded ten episodes. We released them all on like January 
for first did week we? of January. Yeah. Did we? Oh, boy, yeah. I can't remember that. But just just going by the number of episodes, once we hit 150, that was three, which means we're into our fourth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We launched with 10 episodes and then we did 50. So we, we basically have, we had 10 in the bank. <laughs> yeah. I remember that because it was like every week for 10 weeks. I'm like, when are we going to release? When are right, we going to release? Right, right. Yeah. But wow, uh, we'll, we'll have to do something big for 200. Yes. Start planning that now. You know how good I am at future plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll put that on my list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're the planner. Uh, cool. Okay. So we've, we've gone all the way around and back, I think, on this one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a big one, though. It's a big one. It's really important. It is. It's just keeping focused is one of the hardest things sometimes to do. But once you've got a strategy, a plan that feels like you, I mean, it's so much easier to say no to the stuff that you know are going to be distractions. It's mm-hmm. just so much easier. And you, you can even do it nicely because you just oh, yeah. know it's not right. Yep. 100%. Cool. So I have right. I have another podcast idea we should discuss, Jonathan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Distraction. Yeah, a homeschooling podcast. You don't say. No, interior design. <laughs> I don't Great think anybody's idea. anybody's going to listen to us on interior design, but yeah, I like audio, it. Audio podcast I like it. about yeah, interior I design. I love it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, the business of interior design this week. Uh, colors. <laughs> no, no. Imagine puce. Okay, that's enough. Listen, folks, this is our first podcast with two weeks off, so we, yeah, we got a little punchy today, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Hopefully it was fun. Yes, hopefully. All right, folks, we'll, we'll stick a fork in it at this point. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>